Welcome to Kickback with Chris, the martial arts podcast. Brought to you by www.mitmaster.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Kickback with Chris, the martial arts podcast. Eventually, <laughs> the universe is actually conspiring against me at the minute, or it feels like it anyway. Um, after last time, after last week's episode, obviously I explained that a little bit of time away. Um, the plan was to record this this time last week, and then I ended up with some god awful chest infection that meant I was coughing literally every what it felt like every five seconds. So. I didn't want to even attempt to try and record this until I got that coughing sort of somewhat under control. Still there, annoyingly. But anyway, I just wanted to put that in. A little disclaimer. Um, I'll try and turn away from the microphone when I'm going to blast one of these ultrasonic coughs out, just so that I don't uh, implode your eardrums as you're listening. Um, but yeah, we're going to get straight into it. So this week, now you might actually hear, as we're doing this, you might actually hear my printer buzzing away in the background uh, whilst I'm printing out the questions. Um, and all oh, my phone ringing as well, for good measure. There we go, turn that off. Um, but yes, uh, people have been sending in questions for uh, one of our ever-popular, in fact, arguably, probably the most popular episodes that we do, um, Q, uh, Q&A sessions. Um, so you guys have been sending in some awesome questions. I've got a, a big old mix. Um, but before we jump into that, I just wanted to go through a few bits that have been going off um, across social media and, and in martial arts in the in general. Um, I think the biggest thing in the last few days has probably been um, this clip of, uh, of Conor McGregor that's been going around the internet. Uh, it's been shared frivolously, fr- if I can say that word, fr- frivolously. Um, that's hard to say first thing in the morning. But yeah, it's been uh, blasting around Facebook at, at Herculean speed. And, um, you know, people have been asking me, oh, you know, what do you think about it and and this sort of thing? Well, for me, I'm looking at it this with a slightly sceptical eye. Um, I I think this is just another one of his publicity stunts. You know, um, I'm not saying that he didn't thump the guy in the face. uh, But at the same time, I wouldn't rule out this being um, a a to the point staged uh, event, you know. The guy's not stupid when it comes to advertising. I think this is something that we've we've seen from him. He, he tends to go for quite um, extreme levels of, of advertising choice, and you know it wouldn't be for me anyway. I, it wouldn't be beyond the realms of um, reality for him to to do this purely to to sell extra um, crates of his drink. Now, um, you know, is it? Is it a good example to set? Absolutely not. It's appalling. Um, so don't for a second think that I'm in agreement with um, the actions that he's uh, reportedly carrying out within this this video. But oh, for those of you that haven't seen it, I've got a clue what I'm on about. A video surfaced this last week or so uh, of Conor McGregor going into a bar in Dublin and, and giving, giving some guy one of his trademark left jabs um, for not... Uh, wanting to accept one of his drinks. Now that for me, that that part for me was the bit that that set off the alarm bell, so to speak. The fact that the 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 video was focusing around somebody not accepting one of his drinks. You know, that's the focal point. So that that's getting mentioned on every single video 
if you think about it. That's getting mentioned. Every single share is, look at this idiot punching somebody for not accepting his drink. You know, so, you know, another thing to keep in mind is as well, that video surfaced, apparently it was from sort of March time, April time this year, so it was ages ago, absolutely ages ago. You know, if if that actually happened for real, do you not think that somebody that was there would have leaked that onto the internet, you know, the fact that it happened months ago? Would it have taken until August time for a video to be um, leaked onto the internet, which in itself is a bit weird? you know, for everybody to suddenly find out. Somebody somebody would have somebody would have put that on social media. They'd gone into a bar and thumped some random old bloke. Somebody would have said something, you know, and the fact that the, the footage is leaked, you know, if, as some people are suggesting, he got a fine for it, um, which is the system that they run in Ireland, you know, um, you know, then is it the police that's leaked this video? Is it the pub that's leaked the video? You know, neither to me sounds plausible, you know, that why are the police going to go releasing the video randomly all this time later? And the pub, why why would they release the video when you would assume that somebody, if this was real within McGregor's camp, would have tidied all that up and taken care of it? You know, they wouldn't want it released unless, unless it's been released intentionally, as I said before, just to push a load of his drinks. You know, and... You know, just to close this one up, it just so happens that a day after, or maybe two days after the video leaked and everyone kicked off about it on social media, he jumps on Instagram for the first time in forever with a photograph of him holding his whiskey. I mean, I think that says it all really, doesn't it? Um, now, the other thing is, oh yes, Woo Assassins finally dropped on Netflix. Now, um, admittedly, I was super hyped for this. I think I probably hyped myself a little bit more. Uh, in my head than um, reality was going to bring. Um, I know a lot of people are super, super keen on it, and I've loved it. Personally, I've, I'm struggling with it, if I'm honest. I've got, th- I think I've got three episodes in, and it's not hooked me. It really hasn't, you know. Nothing, I mean, the action is absolutely fantastic. Um, arguably some of the best action shot um, for a TV series. But the storyline, just for me, it, I don't know, it just feels like something that's jumped out of 1997. I don't, I'm sorry, but it's not really, it's not really captured my imagination or I'm not thinking, oh, you know, I need to tune in next week to see what's happened. It just isn't working for me, but that's me. If you're enjoying it, absolutely fantastic. And may, I don't know, I'll stick with it. I'll watch the whole series and maybe it'll grow on me. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, the thing is, as well, I think I was possibly expecting to see it. No, this isn't a spoiler, really, to be fair. But I think I was probably expecting to see Mark Dacascos in there a little bit more as well. Um, maybe maybe he's in it more as the series progresses. I have to stick with it. Who knows? Anyway, let's get into some of these questions and a wide variety they are as well. Um, so, starting off, a message has come in from Stephen. Um, and I'm, I'm only going to use first names as well because what I neglected to do was ask um, if people wanted me to use full names. So I'm just going to use first names. Um, now, uh, I'm, oh, as well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to break these down a little bit as well because some of these questions that have come in were quite long. I don't want to read out the whole thing. So if I skim it a little bit and condense it down just to save time, it, the, the message is still getting across. Now, Stephen asks um, about um, some leg injuries that he suffered um, specifically to his left hamstring and hip flexor, uh, and he's struggling to get the strength back and re- re- you know regain the similar length of flexibility and, and strength and things that he had before. Um, and he's asking if I have any tips. Now, 
first and foremost, what I will say is I am not a medical expert. Just a little disclaimer there. But I have done plenty of kicking and I have done plenty of hurting myself over the years as well. You know, I'm pushing 40 and it's just... It, it, you know, I, I, what I will say is it's not a regular occurrence. I know some people that manage to hurt themselves every three days. It seems you know I'm I'm pretty lucky, um, or maybe it's just down to the training that I do. You know that I don't pick up a lot of injuries, although it does happen. You know we're only human. And um, the thing I would say for me, I've always found first and foremost is don't be stupid. Don't think you can just carry on as normal on an injury if something hurts. If something hurts a small amount, it's your body's way of... This is the way I look at it. It's your body's way of telling you something's going to go really bad if you keep pushing it. So if I get a warning sign that something is not happy, I back right off doing anything that aggravates or causes that pain to flare. You know, and and, and give give my body some some time to to recuperate. Now, what I don't do, if I can help it, is totally shut down. So, you know, if I'm struggling with, say, like a tight hamstring, then I'll focus a little bit more on my upper body. Now, I'll go sensible because obviously, as we all know, you know, even working punches, you're still going to be generating power and push momentum and and, and torque transfer from your legs. You know, that, that push has got to come from somewhere but you know you can still work around it you know uh gentle stretching light stretching i found is is for me helps a massive amount but really is you know keep going as best you can what i like to do um and i found works well for me and i say it works for me it might not work for you and this isn't medical advice as i say um, for the kicks, you know, if I've had, if I've got a, a, a say a niggly hip injury or quads or whatever it is, you know, um, I'll go through all of my kick movements really slow, really really slow. So I'm going for uh, for control rather than for for speed and power. So let's say I'm working a side kick on a heavy bag or a, or a freestanding bag, you know, I'll I'll do reps of the side kicks slow, really slow, everything slow. Chamber slow, extension slow, rechamber slow, everything. No, imp- no power in the impact at all. Just slow everything down, okay? And it, I found it, obviously, it, it, it's good for helping with the recovery. More so, I found it helps me to be aware of what I'm doing at the time. You know, be aware of uh, how I'm extending, feeling for, is there a point at which, where does it hurt? What, what? Why is it hurting? It just allows you to really dissect and analyze the technique and see if there's anything that you're doing that's aggravating, causing that injury. But hope that helps, Stephen. And I hope you're feeling better soon and you're not hurting yourself too much. Right, let's move on. Second one comes from Benita. Now, her question was... Uh, let me think. What I've done is with all these, the messages I've got through, I've just printed off a screenshot. And then what I've not thought about is the fact that there's all these message boxes. Um, oh, yes. Uh, she says, a great talking point might be ways to stay in love with the arts. Um, now, if you've, if you've only been training, if you're listening, you've only been training a few years, this won't really apply to you. You're probably not even in this phase yet. But for myself, I've, you know, I've been doing this, what, 30, 30 something years. And you do go through phases of uh, not wanting to stop, but your sort of your interest in it diminishes. It dips a little bit, um, and it can be really, really easy in those in those stages to just sort of sack it all off and then keep creating a load of excuses in your head as to why you can't start again. Because deep down, you really want to, but ego and pride's got in your way, and you don't 
want to accept the fact that you're going to have to work to shift the weight or get the flexibility back or whatever it is. Now, what I've done over the years, now, one of the ways that I've helped to um, keep interest in what I'm, in, in my training and in the arts in general is, well, I'm doing one now. Now, I'm not, I'm not for a second suggesting that everybody starts a podcast, but you know what I what I did was I obviously I did the online training as well and that that wasn't purely just because I was losing interest in the arts that was it was it was a diversion um obviously take my mind away from you know the the, the things that I wasn't enjoying within the, in the industry at the time but it also as we've talked about before it, it meant that I'd got everything committed to video longer terms so that I wasn't having to worry about if I got a serious injury couldn't train anymore and it was all it was all there sort of a bit of a brain break but it, it actually it, it did it did give me a a, a a focus within the arts that was different to what I was doing just isn't the same that this podcast is you know it's given me um a different way of looking different perspective on the arts uh, and give me a fresh challenge as well. All right, um, fifty something episodes in now, and it's still going strong. So, much to the dislike of certain detractors out there, but we'll not get into that. We'll not get into that. Probably not listening anyway. They're probably too busy being grumpy on Facebook. But um, anyway, less said about that, the better. But yeah, find different things, uh, and uh, as well, you know, uh, for me, what I found helped was trying out new new things. So. You know, I've had an extensive sort of taekwondo, kickboxing uh, background. You know, um, I did used to do a lot of performance arts as well, but body's not quite up to that as much these days. So I tend to stay away from it. But you know, um, go and try new things that are totally different to what you do, and you'll find it often sparks off that initial love for the arts in your head that was was there when you first found the art that you're maybe training in extensively now. You know, go and go and try new things. Don't be afraid to to step outside your sort of comfort bubble and, and give new things a try. I found personally, I found that I don't obviously I don't broadcast it everywhere, but you know, I found that helped me, you know, going and trying things that are completely different, completely different to what you do. And you'll actually find there's an immense amount of crossover. Even if you're doing an art that's you know perceived to be completely different there's still some crossover in the way that you sort of mentally approach the training, you know, um, lots of different things. But go and experiment and find out for yourself. Right, the next one comes in from Kevin. <laughs> a bit of a contentious one here. His question, well, it's more of like a statement as well. Um, aggressive parents at competitions could be a good one. Could be a good one. He likes to stoke the fire, this one. Aggressive parents at competition could be a good one. Uh, see some crazy mums and dads living through their kids. Wow. Okay, now, I'm a competition dad. My daughter actually competes at uh, at gymnastics. (coughs) Excuse me, there we go, first cough for the podcast. What's that? 14 minutes in. Um, You know, it's a difficult one, this one, because I get it. I actually get it. Um, Why, excuse me, I'll have a quick drink. I'm not going to edit that out either. Um, You know, as long as... I'm going to I'm going to sort of go off on a tangent with this one a little bit as well but I'm not big into the competition scene anymore. I'm, I'm I say anymore. I've actually got some students that are in the midst of getting into it now. Um I don't I don't enjoy um the tournament scene very much. It's not something that floats my boat. Obviously I have competed before in the past. At one point I was really quite into it, but just the whole standing around all day and the pathetic politics that 
trundles around with it. I just, I, I just can't really abide it. But I have seen, I have seen some of these parents. Now, it, it's difficult, isn't it? Because they, they want their kids to succeed, and they, they are, they are giving everything. They, some of these people are working extra shifts, you know, um, doing extra jobs, working extra hours to be able to afford to get their kids to all these competitions. So, why shouldn't they be? Why shouldn't they be really into it? And why shouldn't they be um, really keen for their kids to progress? Now, does that mean they need to get in judges' faces? I mean, I've had it before, and I've judged before at competitions, which is one of the reasons why I didn't bother anymore. I'm giving up a Sunday afternoon to get some RC parent in my face. No thanks. You know, should they be doing that sort of stuff? Absolutely not. If they don't disagree with the judges' decision, they don't disagree with it. You don't need to heckle them and finger point and get in the face and all that. That's just, you know, that, that, that's not good. That's not good. That's one element to it that I, I don't like and I don't think we should... Oh, second cough coming. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, you know, I, I don't agree with that and we shouldn't really be seeing that sort of thing. So, um, that being said, you know, as I said, I go off on a tangent with this one. I've seen... I've started to see a, a surge in, you know, um, parents sort of really pushing the careers of their kids in martial arts really early doors and sort of turning them into sort of mini celebrities and to each their own i just find it a little bit a little bit um how do i say this right i don't know i just it's something it doesn't sit right with me a little bit i think and i just think creating these mini celebrities early on can be setting them up Big time, setting them up. I mean, look, they, they may go on to do big things, be absolute superstars, and they might prove me wrong completely, which, if that's the case, brilliant. But I just kind of feel it can be setting them up, setting them up to fail, because this expectation on them, you know, they've become these mini superstars really young. Um, and the expectation for them to go on and to do big things is there. And, you know, what if they get to sort of 13, 14 and think, you know what, I don't actually want to do this martial arts stuff anymore. But they've had such a huge amount of pressure heaped on them from the parents. You know, they've had this, you know, social media persona created that they feel that they need to carry it on. And you, you hear of these stories of people that, you know, follow the dreams of their parents rather than following their own dreams. And they, they, they end up growing up with, like, massive amounts of resentment and stuff. And I just... I don't know. It's a difficult one. It's a difficult one, that one, I suppose, isn't it? But you can be the judge a little bit of that one as well. Give me some feedback and thoughts on that. Right, next one comes from my long-time friend, Simon. Uh, He's actually a fantastic um, cameraman, camera operator. I don't know what the technical term is. He films stuff and takes photos really nicely. There you go. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, And... um, he sent a big one about it. Okay, I'm going to try and... I can't, I can't really skim read this one. I've got to read it. Um, he said, I, you mentioned that you don't stretch anymore. Well, that's not true. I didn't actually say that. But anyway, we'll keep going. You mentioned that you don't stretch anymore due to limits on practicality with kick height. And I realise that stretching without equivalent strength training leads to an imbalance. Do you not think that stretching to beyond the practical application limits gives you leeway for mistakes? I do a lot of stuff outside martial arts now and I find that it that it's the cock-ups that push my flexibility limits that could cause injury. So personally, I like to keep my flexibility beyond where I'd apply in normal circumstances. Right. Um, okay, first and foremost, just to correct Simon on something, I've never said that I don't stretch anymore. What I've said is 
that I don't place a huge emphasis on spending like half an hour every day stretching anymore. I used to. Um, I like to work. I like to work on flexibility within a, a kicking range that's uh, uh, applicable, that's sensible. You know, I used to stretch to a point where I could kick six foot seven people in the chin, which was pointless because how many of those people are wandering around? And long and short of it was, if I carried on down that route, I was going to knacker my hips. I was going to end up with back issues beyond what I've already got that are genetic. They're not actually from martial arts. Um, and it wasn't healthy. It was it was silly, you know? Um, so I, I recognized that I needed to back off that. So I tend to work a lot more now on strength control and conditioning than I do on flexibility because I find a byproduct of working on the strength control and conditioning is that flexibility stays there because I'm working on strengthening the kicks within the working range of the kick. You know, um, you know, if you get, without going off on a massive talk about this, if you get into a psychic chamber position, for example, and you actually look at the angle change of your knee between kicking somebody in the ribs and kicking somebody in the face, it's tiny. It's tiny. We're talking a tiny angle change. You know, or if you want to look at it as a knee lift, as a, if you want to measure the lift, you're probably looking at maybe two or three inches tops. You know, we're not, we're not talking about needing to go into like 180 degree splits or anything. So I work on, if you, if you imagine holding your knee, um, pointing it at someone's stomach, and then lifting your knee so you're pointing it at their nose, and if you're not sure what that is, just go and try it, and you'll find that that movement is really quite small. And I like to work on that now. I like to work on that control of that movement, um, and working on flexibility for that movement. And then obviously looking at different things for sort of your hook kicks, your spin kicks, um, not so much on axe kicks anymore. Uh, I don't do a lot of those because I, f- I kind of feel like um, I've got a hamstring waiting to explode if I keep banging those out too much. <coughs> so, you know, I'm working uh, a lot more on strength control. And what I've also got now, I've found, is a much better working range that's there all the time. You know, so I don't have to, you know, not that it goes, you know, that it happens all the time. Um, but, you know, if I'm outside and I suddenly need to throw a head height kick, I can just throw it. I don't need to have a 10-minute stretch, warm-up and stretch first to be able to do it because I've built the flexibility around um, that, that sort of smaller, what I like to term a kicking window, if that makes sense. So hopefully that helps. Maybe I'll have to do some videos to explain that one properly. Okay, so the next one is from Mags, who always sends this question. Now, Mags actually sent me about 10 questions. I couldn't do them all. There's actually some good ones in there, but I had to pick one. Uh, one of the questions was, uh, what was the last martial arts movie that I watched? Um, now, it might surprise you on this. I don't watch a lot anymore, really. I've got that many, and I've watched that many, that I don't watch a lot anymore because <coughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's just a change. And this might be surprising considering the industry I work in as well. Um, I do watch them, but I don't watch them... Over and over, I can watch them once and then that's it. Like as I used to watch them repetitively, over and over again. I don't know whether it's just. I th- well, I think it's just the way that they they've become much more complex now in the in the way that they're shooting them, the effects they're using. Um, they're much more sort of arguably, I don't know, professional. But for me, they're very straightforward. Point a camera at two people, and the choreography does the work is what does it for me. You know, the stuff from the 70s and the 80s and the early 90s. That's the stuff that I like. And obviously they're not making much of that anymore. 
Now, that being said, the last martial arts film that I watched fully was, um, well, if you call it a martial arts film, was John Wick 3, um, which I enjoyed, really enjoyed it. I do find sometimes the combinations are a bit repetitive. You do tend to see the same things done a lot. Uh, but I, I would imagine that that's, that's within the, the limited within the scope of the character. I mean, he's not, a, you know, I'd probably say Flash. You know, he's not obviously not jumping around, spinning all over the place. But um, sometimes I, I felt there was a little bit, there was a, oh, it's that combination again. We've seen that one. Um, uh, or variations on them, but that's just being that's just being critical, I guess. But um, overall, I did really, really enjoy it. And I actually enjoyed the whole series. Um, a lot of people said, "Oh, yeah, number three is the best one." Yeah, I don't know if it's the best one. It was good. Um, I think I enjoyed number two the most. Um, but you know, it's still a great film, and I am still going to buy it at the moment it comes out because I'll have to have it to <laughs> finish off my collection. I also started watching, I've not finished it yet, um, the new Scott Atkins one, um, which I can't remember the name of. Um, oh, that's going to annoy me now. Anyway, you're all screaming out at me down the... <laughs> you're all screaming at me uh, down the radio now, or the podcast thing, whatever you're listening to. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> um, I started watching that, and I do need to finish it. And for no other reason other than just life got in the way and I didn't I didn't get time to finish it. Between working on two different films and the podcast and the teaching and stuff, I just didn't get around to finish watching it. Oh, quick drink, sorry. Um, so I am going to go back and finish that now. It's the one where um, it's the one where he, he ends up in prison. Um, it plays the sort of good bad guy. Anyway, you know the one I mean, I'm sure. So that's the last. That's the last. Arguably, that's the last one I've watched, but I didn't finish it. So I need to finish it. Um, right, next one comes from David, who asks, um, how do you develop as a coach? Who do you turn to? What resources resources do you use? And what courses do you go on? Oh, God, we could actually do an entire podcast on this one. I think we should, actually, at one point or another. We should do. Um, get some people on and we'll do this one. Maybe it's a round table one. Uh, oh, that's a good idea. Round table one. We'll do that. So yeah, if you're interested in getting involved with that one, you're listening now, get in touch with me. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll try and answer this one quickly, as quick as you can. Um, how do I develop as a coach? I, For me, as a coach, what I, I like to do is get out and about. I mean, I'm very fortunate and I, I, I get the opportunity to teach at uh, a number of events and at a lot of workshops at different schools. So not only do I get the opportunity to work with and teach different people... I get to see other people teaching as well. Um, now, for resources and training, I, I do all the stuff that I can get my hands on online. I'm just in the middle of doing some at the moment um, on nutrition. And uh, oh God, what was the other bit to it? I can't remember. Anyway, I, so I, I like to do online training because it gives me the opportunity. I know it's not perfect by any means, but it just means that um, I can do it at my own pace when I get time. So sort of in an evening, if I've got staff in and they're covering a session for an hour, I'll go and go and get on with doing some of the training online. Um, and obviously tick, tick the boxes, do the revision, um, submit the submit the answers, get the certificates, all that jazz. Um, so I, I, you know, I tend to use that. Now, um, for all of the other elements of it, I, to, be, to be honest, I just ask people. If I've got a question on a policy change or... Um, a legality, something I'm not sure. I 
pick up the phone and ask somebody, or I get on Facebook and ask somebody. Um, I think too many people, too many people are too proud to to ask if they're not sure about something. And I I always like to. I mean, I, I'm sure some of you have seen on Facebook, and I know some people have had a dig at me for this as well. But I like to err on the on the side of caution. You know, I actually I actually had a professional coach, a business coach on Facebook, laugh me down on two occasions for sticking to the legalities of a lease agreement. So there were people, some people were asking about advice about, there was one about subletting, and um, I can't even remember what the other one was. Um, and, you know, I, I said, one of the things I was saying, well, just be careful that your lease actually allows for subletting, because if it doesn't, then potentially you could land yourself in some bother, which you could, and it happens. Um, and they were like, oh, well, you know, well, the, the sublet police are going to hide in the bushes and check. Well, no, they're not. But at the same time, it's a bit ropey to be suggesting to people to F off their lease agreement and just chuck loads of people in and start making money. Because the thing is, word spreads quick, and especially with social media as well. You know, if if you're advertising that your that your facilities are to let and they're not supposed to be, and your landlord finds out, and they've been looking for a reason to get you out, and you didn't know this, that what they're going to jump on straight away. They're going to straight into the solicitor. They're going to be like, "This guy's subletting, and he's not. It's the terms on his lease. I want some of that money plus this, 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 and this." Or they're going to turn around and go, "Get out! You've broken the terms of your lease. You're not supposed to be subletting." And then what are you going to do? So, you know, I've gone off it a little bit there. But yeah, if I if I have a question on anything like that, straight on the straight on Facebook, <clears throat> straight on the internet. And ask people. I know that's more of a school ownership thing than a, than a um, an instructor thing. But for my coaches and for my school, then I, I have a we're about to start our next one. Actually, uh, we have a, a, an instructor training program that runs on a, the last Friday of every month, and we go through everything regards to the physical teaching on the mats. But then we go through health and safety. We go through risk assessments. We go through um, first aid training. Obviously, it's not. As such, a practical. They do an additional first aid test, um, but there's nothing from saying you know they're going through the basics. You know where where when I say first aid, things like where is or where are the the plasters? You know where are the bandages? Where where where's the first aid box kept? Stuff like that. You know basic stuff. You know uh, compression. We've got oh okay. Where do we keep the ice packs? Where do we keep the accident report book? Stuff like this. You know, um, and it's my responsibility to make sure that they all know and that they're doing it properly. So. There we go on that one. Right, the next one. Daniel, who is awesome. The guy that always wears my t-shirt to events. Who's a top bloke. Had my had a photo with Johnny Lawrence, for God's sake, wearing my t-shirt. We are forever Cobra Kai affiliated now. Um, <coughs> he's asking... Uh, oh, right, he got a good one here. Uh, oh, this one ties in a little bit to what we said. And it actually would tie in nicely to this round table discussion thing I was talking about maybe we should have. Um... He was asking, and where's a question here? Uh, da, 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 da. What are your thoughts on adult students in some organisations becoming instructors in a very short amount of time? Well, the long and short of it is, it's dodgy, isn't it? Really, I know. I know there's one organisation out there, without naming any names, for obvious reasons, that within a matter of months of them starting training, they've got them out uh, pushing their classes as instructors. It's utterly nuts. It's utterly nuts, you know. Um, nobody can be in a position to teach in that shorter amount of time, you know. Even if you're, even if 
your syllabus is super wafer thin. It's not just about knowledge of syllabus that enables you to be an instructor. It's the gaining the experience and the time as an assistant, shadowing the instructor, learning all the ins and outs of the legalities of everything. You know, it, it's a it's a long, long development process. It's not a twelve week thing at the same time as learning in class. Not by a long shot. You know, becoming an instructor is not just about being a good martial artist. As I'm sure some of you out there have, have experienced yourself, maybe as a somebody who tried to be an instructor and then realised it wasn't for them, or as somebody that works with a very, very high level in martial arts um, practitioner, that is an instructor because they don't want to. It's not for them. It's just not in their personality to be an instructor. You know, it's not just about what you know. You've got to be able to communicate it as well in an effective, efficient manner. So to answer that question quickly, um, it... it Dodgy, isn't it? I mean, long and short of it, uh, it is it's 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 iffy, and I, and um, I don't know how it, it, I don't know how they they've gotten away with it for so long without something coming up from it, especially in today's age. But anyway, anyway, he also says he'd like to hear more about my involvement with Jackie Chan's charity, um, which I will actually do on a on a on a later episode. Um, I definitely will. I need to give them some more airtime. So, <coughs> excuse me. Last one. Last one. Uh, before we go on to our weekly chat with Matthew Chapman. Um, this one comes from um, Steve. who goes by Padman Steve on, on social media. Um, what are your thoughts on traditional martial artists doing boxing pad work to supplement their training? It's a bloody good idea, to be fair. Uh, I think it's a great idea, you know. Um, it, you know, it, as an art, as, as most arts go, obviously we're we're trying to cover all the bases, aren't we? Well, not all the bases, but if you're doing a stand apart, we're trying to cover all the bases in that we're using arms and legs. If you're doing something that's gr- uh, ground based as well, then you're trying to cover that base, there, an additional area. So, working on something that's just focusing on isolating those techniques from a boxing perspective. I think is a great idea. Now, without getting too much into the whole difference in distance in distance in and uh, timing, you know, a kickboxer versus a boxer. Yeah, we're working at different ranges with different approaches and different ideas. That's not to say that there's not a huge amount to benefit from focusing on pure boxing training to supplement the kickboxing. Now, I, it, it kind of leans back a little bit to what I was saying earlier on about you know if you get an injury. And you're having to work on something else. For example, I did this going back about 20 years. I tore something in my... I can't remember what it was. I tore something in my leg. Let's just say hamstring for argument's sake. I couldn't do any kicking for ages. I had cord zone injections. Uh, and I was under orders to do nothing for two weeks. And being, being an eager sort of 20-year-old, I wasn't keen on the doing nothing thing. So um, I punched a lot of pads. And I actually... My upper body work improved immensely because of that because I was so focused on doing aerials and 540s and butterfly kicks and gainers and all this stuff back then I really wasn't giving my um, my upper body work any any focus I was doing it but I wasn't really concentrating on it and that actually forced me into concentrating because I couldn't do anything I was going to stir crazy so I actually I did actually put a series of videos on Facebook not long ago just to show people because people were like do you punch stuff ever do you just kick stuff all the time? But yeah, of course I do. So I put some some um, uh, videos on, showing me doing some pad work, punch work. And I actually really love doing 
boxing combinations on pads. It's there's something really I don't know I, the timing of it. I just love it. The rhythm of it is it's such good fun. So you know I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. I think you need to get um, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I think you need to be um, working with somebody that knows how to hold the pads. I think that's super super important. Um, I myself have spent a, a, quite a bit of time studying uh, different people's uh, pad training. Obviously, working with Matt Chapman, uh, going through his his his, um, his content to make sure that we're holding the pads right and we're doing it as efficiently and safely as possible. That is super important. Uh, but yeah, I, I say go for it. Um, it's a great idea. So um, thank you to everybody for sending your questions in. I know I've seen seemingly rushed them a little bit, but even then, still thirty five minutes in. Um, but yeah, I I, uh, I really enjoy doing these episodes, truth be told. And I think they are one of the more popular ones that we do. So if you want us to keep doing them more often, maybe a semi-regular thing, drop me a line, Facebook message. You can get in touch via the website, which is kickbackpodcast.com. Send me an email on there um, and I'll start doing more of them. Uh, but yes, we're going to get straight into our uh, weekly match chat with Matthew Chapman. Now, what I will say, a little disclaimer here. I did record this one previously and... Um, we had a slight technical hiccup. My Skype decided to have a fart and stop working. Um, and we, <laughs> we'd we actually been sat talking for 25 minutes and the stupid thing didn't record. Um, so if you hear us referencing, um, I, me referencing the fact that we were talking about things again, it's, it's literally because we had to re-record the whole episode again. Um, and we ended up talking about very different stuff in the end, but you know, the first few minutes are a little bit awkward because it's me sort of rambling on about the fact that we'd already recorded the episode once. But anyway, it's the first time it's happened in over a year, so pretty cool, I would say, in that respect. But anyway, we'll go over to our chat with Matt, and then I will speak to you afterwards. Brought to you by www.mitmaster.com. Okay, guys, so joining me on the phone for, I'll be honest here, for the second time, because the first time the recording didn't work, <laughs> but we're, we're, gonna just pretend, we're just going to pretend like professionals. It never happened. Right, joining okay. me on the phone now from a lay-by in, what did I say last time? I can't remember. Anyway, it's Matthew Chapman. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Chris. I don't know what happened last time. Oh, but I don't know what happened. It was all on my side. I'm recording it on the... on the. Uh, you, you can all send me your hate mail now on the the, the wizardry that is Windows 10. And uh, uh, yes. for some reason, the, the Skype thing just froze. Um, yeah. So I couldn't stop it recording. So then I don't know if the recording saved. So there we go. Tricky, so, tricky, tricky. So we've had a we've had a trial run of this one already, so we know exactly what we're talking about. Yes. So what should we talk about this week then? <laughs> well, uh, I would like to talk about staff because I've been travelling around the UK over the last sort of few months, and every instructor I speak to has issues with staff. I won't make the same joke I made last time about bow staffs because that was a lame <laughs> joke. So we'll we'll miss that one out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, I'll let it go now. Yes, yeah, staff. So it, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, I've, I've, I mean, I've openly discussed before that it's just something that I've struggled with and continue to, to a certain degree, struggle with. Um, you know, I've spent all these years, thirty something years, training in martial arts, but I am yet to get past sort of the first belt in dealing with staff. It's very difficult. Yeah, I mean, part of the problem is we secretly want our staff to be clones of us. Mm-hmm. which is a bit of a problem because we want them to teach like us, speak like us, deal with problems like us. And of course, they're just their own individual person, human being with flaws, etc., and their own ways of doing things. So 
there's automatically a bit of a problem there, I think, with martial arts instructors because we just want carbon copies of ourselves. We do, and we don't. I mean, I, I, I can't speak for everybody, but I know from my own personal experience, one of my previous biggest hang-ups was delegating. I mean, I'm, I'm like a, a, a control freak. I like to be, you know, yeah. I spent all this time building up, uh, you know, as you've spoken before, you know, discipline, self, self-confidence, all this stuff, this martial arts stuff that we do. And um, I like to be in control. I like, yeah. I like to know, I, I, am ex- I expect myself to do it. Uh, and then when you trans- transfer that into a business, it doesn't overly work. It's well, 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 well. Well, uh, well, well. If you have my type of business where yeah. software does the the work for you, then it does because software does exactly what you tell it to do 99.9% of the time unless you're on a Skype call like we were today. Yeah. So it does less variation with software. You know, software won't suddenly decide that it doesn't like you or decide that it's in a mood or decide that, uh, you know, it's had an argument with its partner the night before and will come to class and be in a soak, uh, all of these things. So that's part of the reason why I changed my business from um, sort of staff to software because it's just much more manageable. However, if you do have staff, you got to be willing to accept that 80% is good enough. Yeah, it's true. Meaning that they're never going to do exactly what you want as you want it done 100% of the time. But as long as they're doing it most of the time, like sort of 70 to 80% of the time, that will just have to be good enough. Because to be honest, no one's going to care about your business as much as you do because it's not their business. And no one's going to do as much as you would do because it's not their business. So that's yeah, the issue. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've experienced it recently. Um, I've been delegated sections of my uh, kids' classes to a to a new staff member. You know, and uh, initially, without a doubt, we we had some drop offs purely because it wasn't me teaching anymore. And I yeah. built I built the classes up around me as a personality. You know, I kind of, as an instructor, I sort of. Um, <laughs> I mean this in the best way possible, but I kind of assume like this almost Mr. Tumble-esque type teaching, you know, a uh, thing like I, I switch on this version of me that is when I'm teaching kids. Yes. And they got used to that. Um, and it, it, that, that sort of character has been created over 20 something years of doing this. And they were used to that. And then somebody else was doing it. And they didn't, I, I know, I accept the fact that they, they don't, they didn't, didn't like that. It wasn't me. No, of course. Yeah. But well, then human the new, beings are not good at change. We don't like change. Yeah. Well, then, but then the new people that have come in in place of those students that have left don't know any different. So this yes. new person that's teaching, they accept them for who they are and what they do. And then when I step in, um, they uh, it's a treat. That or they go, oh, where's the other guy? We like him more. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. So like uh, the secret, uh, I think, with that is to transition to the new instructor rather than just drop them in. Mm-hmm one day randomly so get them teaching the warm-up get them helping out get them known to the students and then over a period of sort of three to six months transition them across to the role of leading that class and then you get less resistance because people are used to it yeah one of the things we did as well um was we actually used social media um within the sort of the the school instagram that the parents are on the facebook group the twitter all this stuff um and we started gently highlighting this person a little bit more, you know, yeah. posting, posting some videos of them training in the adults classes and the pad work and sparring and patterns and all this sort of stuff. 
Yeah. Uh, just gently, not too much. Not like all of a sudden every day was this person because that's a little bit much. But sort of highlighting them a little bit more, and then when they came in, they sort of they, they'd already started to connect with them a little bit, as if to say, yeah, "Oh, that's very, oh, that, very that's good that use of social media." That's that guy. So they sort of recognised them. They knew. Yeah. They knew who they were and what they did, and it wasn't just a new face all of a sudden. So that worked no, well. And also, when you've got uh, uh, you're thinking about getting other instructors in um, um, to help and teach, I think you should run a paid instructor training program rather than a, a free program or a come and help me in the class <laughs> offer that most people usually give to yeah. their students. Because uh, people who do a paid instructor training program tend to be a bit more serious about it, tend to be a bit more focused, a bit more disciplined. And there's a certain level of expectation from both of you. One, that you'll deliver quality instruction so that they'll be able to teach well. But two, that they are kind of signing up to something that is a bit more serious. Now, I know some schools that obviously do instructor training for free. And I know some schools that charge up to £10,000 for their instructor training program. Um, and I generally know that the ones who pay tend to get a better quality of student trying out. Yeah, I mean, you would think that if it's, I mean, don't get me wrong, we, we've, I've, I've tried both ways. And I think you, well, I know you're right in that the, the running the paid system, you do get better results because people, they, they've already invested in it, not only yes. financially, but in, in their head, it, it, they're yes. committed to it. Whereas yeah, the ones that go, oh, you know, I'll go along and help on Tuesday. And then something comes up on Tuesday and they just, oh, yeah, can't come today. Sorry, Jimmy's bumped his knee. So I'm just going to stay at home. And, you're, and then you're on the mats going, I've got, 20, ah! I've got 25 <laughs> four-year-olds and you've just decided five minutes before to not come in because they're not, they don't see it as a, a, as a commitment on that level. It's no. just helping out for fun. Yes, so it's definitely worth having some sort of paid thing. And, you know, you have to pre-frame these people that this is a serious thing and if they're going to do it, they need to commit the time and make sure that, you know, they're going to show up to the lessons and do what is required. And part of that also is you, if you're into online courses like we are, is you can create a certified instructor training program online course that goes with your physical teaching so that you maybe don't need to teach them how to fill in a park you or how to do a sign up or you can record it all and then give them access to it as part of the instructor training program. They can watch it, take a little quiz at the end of it, and uh, then you, you can mainly teach them the physical aspects of teaching a class. Yeah, the, the bits that they really want to get into to do, don't they, you know? Uh, it's, yes. It, I, I, I remember... I remember as a kid, you know, oh, I want to be, I want to be an instructor because you, you see them for that class that you go in for and you're like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> and you get this idea in your head about what it's, what's going to be involved in. Obviously, the reality sort of hits that it's, <laughs> it's quite well, a bit different. Well, yeah, but that's only if you're a, a school owner. I think it's a lot harder if you're a school owner. If you're just an assistant instructor or an instructor who comes in and teaches classes, you still get that of rocking up teaching a class going back home you know but the rest of us the school owners have to do all the admin and all the stuff that goes with it so unless um, you hire staff to do that unless you hire staff to do that and the first staff i would always hire is an admin person because most martial arts instructors are weak in that area so someone who can take care of all the admin and keep track of everything and look after that is probably the first hire that you want to you want to get in which I didn't do. And I would also advise you uh, to possibly consider someone external from the school rather than picking a mum 
from the school who wants to do some extra work because there's always conflict of interest and little Jimmy, you know, she'll start asking for favors. It can get very awkward. Um, whereas if you just hire someone external from the school who wants to do like two hours work a day, possibly from home, uh, it's much easier to fire that type of person. It's much easier to, you know, uh, read the right act when it's required. It's much, the boundaries are clearer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, um, it's uh, I, I made the well not a mistake it's learning experience isn't it I I didn't consider having somebody in to take over the admin first I I sort of saw that potentially as being oh well I can do that that's easy it's if I can get if I can get somebody to cover the classes then I can focus on the admin but I, I should have been doing it the way around because the, yeah. admin, the admin's my weakest area and so, the stuff you probably uh, don't like the most Absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm not very good at that sort of thing, you know, so really I should have been giving that job to somebody else, not prioritizing yes. it as the job for me, whereas the one thing I'm actually, I think, quite good at, I've got somebody else to do. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> yes, but that's how martial artists think, isn't it? That's, uh, it, that's how, how we go. Or don't, in the case or of don't. me. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but interest, interestingly enough, you know, I, I, I saw, um, I was actually looking at something online the other day and they're, they're hiring people to do the admin side of things is becoming a task that you can actually outsource online now. There's, there's yes. systems coming up now where you can actually do this online. It's amazing. Yeah. You can um, use different websites um, to hire. Uh, virtual PAs and outsource outsource a lot of the stuff that you would have to do um, so that you can pay someone uh, possibly like in the Philippines or, or something like that a, a very good wage for them um, and save yourself a, a lot of money on the price you'd have to pay someone locally and they can do 90% of the job uh, as well as someone in the UK so there's definitely ways of doing that if you want to to be honest, the admin for martial arts school shouldn't take more than like two hours a day. Yeah. So personally, I would hire someone local to come in, sit in the school and do the admin for those two hours a day and then go, go back, back out because you could, you know, easier to chat with them face to face, get a feel of what they're doing. You can monitor what they're actually doing. They can feed back to you quicker. Um, but admin, yeah, it's 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 the drag, isn't it? It just it's if we could only do it without the admin, I think it would be a lot easier, right? Absolutely, does it itself? Be great. Yes, I'm sure or, that's something. Point... Train, train, train your children from a young age. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> to do the grading sheets and the ordering the votes and all of that. Yeah. Hello, like this, this is Timmy. <laughs> Hello? Timmy. <laughs> He's four years old, yeah. yeah. Sign here, pay grading fee. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, uh, I should have done that. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, um, Sadly, I've moved on and sold my school. This all ties in nicely to the summer, end of the summer, beginning of the school rush that's going to hit us all. Um, yes. So getting that stuff in place and getting those procedures in place that we've talked about on previous episodes. Um, yeah, ready I mean, to deal with it. if you're going to do instructor training, it would have been good to do it throughout summer when everything's a bit quieter and you probably have more time, right? Yeah. To do a six-week instructor training course and get them ready and chomping at the bit to help you out when um, the, the flood happens, sort of first, second week of September. So uh, in future, yeah, consider instructor training throughout the summer as, a, as an option and to give you extra stuff to do train up train up your instructors but definitely make it a paid thing 
and try and add an online element so you don't have to actually be teaching the same stuff over and over and over and over and over. That is a really, really good idea because there's certain parts that you do every time. There's certain, yes. I mean, a lot of it you will cover every time, but the, 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 certainly the parts that aren't physical, if you could have that in that online format and then, you know, the, the instructors come along, the, sorry, the assistants, they come along and you go through, I don't know, teaching uh, class management for Little Dragons, you go through that and that, but then you could say, uh, go, oh, I want you to go away this week, you're going to go and study uh, section yeah, three, right. section three yeah. of the online covering um, uh, steps to dealing with, I don't know, someone arrives late, this is the thing, yes. go and, this is what you do, go and study it and then come back next week and we'll do a little test on it or you could do the test online. The test is uh, built in online, so what you can do yeah. is they can do a multiple choice test. And also the great thing about the technology nowadays is they have to pass the test online before they can move on to the next section of the course. Mm. Tim, Timmy, arrives, Timmy arrives late for class. Do you, one, shout at Timmy? Do you, two, <laughs> shout, at, shout at Timmy's dad? Do you, three? <laughs> but you'd be surprised, like, uh, the amount of stuff that we do that people, common sense doesn't, you know doesn't come into it so it's good to have it all written down formalized structured and video as well like literally a video of how to sign people up would be very useful how to you know greet people how to talk about the benefits in the class how to uh, future pace them so that they can understand how they're going to benefit how to deal with any objections all filmed on video so you don't have to teach it over and over and over yeah and i suppose you have elements of your sort of your risk assessment and, um, and another sort of stuff on there to you know to, they have to click to say they've read it and um they understand it and and yeah. sort of it, I, I, you know it, I, I suppose it helps not that we want to be too paranoid but in this but in this day and age i don't think it hurts to cover yourself as much as possible you know and if that questions were ever raised you can go yeah. well I, you can demonstrate well here look this is this is part of my instructor training program online would you like to go through it and see yeah, things. and the fact that you can check your students' progress, so you can show that uh, Johnny um, went through the entire instructor training program and completed all the tests, and so no idea why he front kicked little Timmy in the face when he came in late <laughs> for the class. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like another way of covering your butt. Yeah, cool. Well, um, thank you for um, sticking around and doing round two. Um, That's all right. Pleasure. It's definitely worked this time. Hey. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks again, sir. And we'll uh, we'll catch up again soon. What we do, mate? Bye. Cheers. You're listening to Kickback with Chris, the Martial Arts Podcast, brought to you by www.onlinekicking.co.uk. Dear, oh dear, what a mess about! Uh, big thanks to Matt for sticking with us for two recordings. Um, as I say, the first one for whatever reason. Windows 10 had a little bit of a moment, and to be fair, it's generally, I mean, look, we've been been using this system now for over a year, and this is the first time this has happened. The only other errors that have happened in the show have been me, the user error, where I've had the wrong microphone set up or something weird's happened like that. This was the first time we've had an actual sort of physical system error, so, you know, these things happen. It just meant I got to chat to Matt a little bit more than normal. Although we did talk about the same things twice. But anyway, that's probably a good thing for me, to be fair. They've gone in for once. But what we're going to do now, real quick, we're just going to have a little bit of a roundup. Some of the things that have been dropped in our uh, podcast event promotion group, which is starting to get used again. Um, so on September the 13th 
in Doncaster at ACMAC Martial Arts School, which is Andy Crittenden's school in Doncaster. Um, there's going to be a, a three-day uh, catch wrestling camp with special guest Marty Jones. So if you're, uh, if you're interested in that sort of thing, um, I've, in fact, I'm better just check I've got that right. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, catch this, catch can wrestling. Um, it's a three-day camp. Um, there's different prices. Going from one day, it's 40 through to three days at 125. Um, if you get in touch with Andy C, I'm sure he'll be able to um, get all the information to you. Uh, I'm just trying to have a little look on here. If you look up on the on the Facebooks, um, if you look up for two, 2019 Doncaster Coaching Catch Three-Day Camp, it'll come up. Um, and as I say, it's hosted at, at Andy C School in Doncaster. So if you get in touch with him on Facebook, I'm sure he'll be able to help you with that. Um, moving on, let's have a little look, see what else we've got going on. <coughs> we've got one or two people doing what the pin at the top of the board says not to do and posting the same thing several times. So I'm, I'm having to sort of skim it because people are posting the same events more than once. And it's a pain in the ass for me because I've got to try and sift through it all. Um, well, is that one still relevant? Um, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna read it anyway. So Rob Golden, I believe it is. It's G O U L D E N. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, part of the part of it's being a gong because it was the 10th of August, but there is another section here. 17th of November 2019, if I can say it, we will be hosting the first organizational course with all profits going to a chosen charity. The course is. Um, let me have a little look. I'm going to click the link. Um, uh, the IMAA official course. Oh, okay. So it's. Um, I'm guessing it's a course with regards to officiating. Um, I'm, I'm guessing so. Anyway, let uh, me have a look. Can't see any other details on it. So I'm just going to guess it is whatever that is an official course. IMAA official course. There you go. Um, so. Get in touch with them if you're interested in finding out what it is or anything about it. Sorry, I can't be a little bit more exact than that because the post doesn't really say. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, let me have a little look-see here. Moving up to one. Uh, Phil Donaldson's popped on to say that they're going to be hosting the second Simon Oliver Sensei course on the 8th of September at uh, Kashiwa Dojo. That's JKR UK. Um, and there is, if you go on uh, Simon Oliver Sensei Open Seminar on Facebook, there is a group for that, uh, and you can get involved with that one. Um, and the next one is from Hugh Crawford, who's posted this, I don't know how many times now. <laughs> um, on November the 4th, there's a WMO World Championships in Blackpool. Um, all the usual things involved with that, so you've got Catter and Forms. Um, and, and all the things you would associate with a competition of that type. So get in touch with Hugh, who's very keen to promote it <laughs> three times <laughs> on the Facebook group. Um, Hugh at the WMO, uh, fantastic events, and uh, yeah, really worth uh, really worth getting involved with if you're wanting to take your competition team to the next level. Right, um, I think. Oh, oh, actually, I've just noticed something. It says here on the 6th of October, so I might have just done him a disservice there because he might have actually just posted separate events. On the 6th of October at the PBA Academy, which is uh, my good friend Zara Fithian's school in Nottingham, um, or Mansfield to be exact, um, they're going to be on Sunday, the 6th of October. There is a WMO Kata Judges course. Oh, that's cool. It's good to see an, it's good to see an association getting their Kata and Forms judges up to spec. That's good. Because one of my pet hates when I used to do um, tournaments, when I used to judge, is he used to just like sling, and not saying this group in particular, but other groups have, 
They used to sling anyone that's free. You know, Dave's mum, some uh, beginner grade from someone's club who's senior instructors on the mats competing. Ah, they'll do. Stick them on. And it's a right old farce. Anyway, good to see a, uh, a, a... I'm not saying that all groups do that, <laughs> aside from the WMO. But it's good to see that WMO are doing a judge's um, forms and kata, um a course to make sure that everybody's scoring right now as the rules. That's really, really cool to see. Right, so that brings us to the end of this episode. I've managed to get through this last, uh, what is it, five minutes or so without coughing once. That's pretty good. I'm drinking sit now. I'm going to cough, aren't I? You know, <laughs> there you go, look. <coughs> oh, my goodness. Um... Thanks for your perseverance and for the people who keep nudging me to say, where's the podcast? Don't worry, we're not going anywhere. It's just one of those real tricky times at the minute with, with, like I said at the start of the episode, the universe just is seemingly conspiring against me at the minute. But it's not going to win because, you know, we're pushing pushing around the 50 episode mark now, which is utterly bonkers to think, you know, that we've we've got this far. Um, One, that I persevered with it long enough, and two, that you've stuck with me and listened. Um, so, you know, it's a constantly evolving thing, you know, we're always tweaking and changing stuff, always looking for new guests if you're interested in getting involved, um, some people are sending some really awesome suggestions, um, and, you know, I really do, I do like those suggestions that come through, they're always really good ones, just keep in mind that it's, it's sometimes very difficult for me to get some of the people that you're saying, um, or suggesting, simple things, you know, uh, you know, some people aren't all that up on the tech that's required. I am trying to get out more and do in-person interviews where I can, but without the financial support of additional sponsorship, it does make it difficult at times because, you know, I can't be pay- paying for um, staff to cover my sessions at the gym um, so I can toddle off to the other end of Blackpool to do an interview with somebody. There's fuel costs involved and all that sort of thing. It's, I'm not I'm not trying to, you know, get a sympathy going here, but what I am saying is if... You know, if actually, if you are interested in sponsoring the show, if you have a product or something that you feel we're going to reach the target audience, we have thousands of listeners across the UK and the US, and in fact, all around the world now. Um, so, if you've got something you wanted to sell, target market, perfect one. Martial artists are all here. Um, get in touch, and we will do you an extremely good deal. Um, so you can join some of the exclusive uh, sponsors that we already have. We're already getting some great support from Mitmaster. Himself, Matthew Chapman, and Mitmaster uh, com, if I can say it, as well as the awesome guys at uh, Art Marshall as well. They're uh, still running their amazing promotion. Remember, if you like any of those t-shirts that you see me wearing, if you look up Art Marshall, Google search it, go over there, and if you use the promo code CJ19, you get 20% off, which is utterly nuts. But as well as that 20% off, we actually get a little kickback as well. No pun intended. Um, you know, it helps us keep the the show co- show costs covered, and um, which are only going up, not down. So uh, yeah, if you're out there and you're interested in sponsoring us, get in touch. Just chuck us a quid, whatever. <laughs> Joking aside, do get in touch. All right, guys, that does it for another show, and I will do my best to be with you all properly this time next week, rather than having another three weeks off. All right, guys, thanks again as always, and I'll catch you soon. Enjoy our podcast? Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Kickback with Chris on iTunes today.